is the Champagne and Socks podcast. I'm Elisa. Long time new episode. Let me tell you a bit about myself. I like to have ideas. I like to have lots of big, exciting, huge ideas and I get excited about the potential of an idea. And then sometimes I get a little bit hung up on the execution of the idea. And so my plan for this podcast was to launch my Patreon to keep me accountable um, with people paying per month, then I would be accountable to produce episodes. And then as my base grew, I was intending to change my format a bit and become more like a magazine. And then I wrote myself a list of things I was going to do for that and I lost the list. And therefore, my friends, I could do nothing because without my list, I was lost. I've just said goodbye to a friend of mine, Alex. You may know her. She has the fantastic podcast, Acts of Kitchen. She came and stayed with me the last week. And it was so cool to hang out with my friend and also to just basically let her see what's going on in my actual everyday life. And sometimes it's horrible to show someone basically your dirty underwear. And sometimes it's really good because they're like, why are you doing this? And this is crazy. So... One of the things that was holding me back on my podcasting is for this podcast, I actually edit quite a lot of the sound after I record. And that can be quite time consuming. I take out all of the ums and ahs and very long pauses that I take trying not to make an um or an ah while I think about my next thought. So sometimes I can take about an hour and a half to two hours to edit a five to seven minute podcast. It can be quite time consuming. Now, Alex said to me, you know, you really need to just record a more rough podcast and just let it be. So this is my attempt to not edit as much. And I apologize if this sounds less clean when I when you listen to it. I'm probably going to edit it a bit. But that's my attempt is to feel more comfortable and also to put out more regular episodes by not having the burden of the editing. I'm also going to delay my format change for this podcast because that's also what's holding me back. So that's my intent is to roll out more discrete sections of the podcast coming and for them to be longer in length. But today we are getting out an episode. The other thing that's been holding me back from recording is a little bit of a heartbreak in the gardening area of my life. We have had quite a wet, it wasn't really during winter, but if you know anything about the weather where I live, all our seasons have kind of moved a month later and I would suspect they've even moved a little bit slightly more since I used to say a month. So in the last five to seven years, maybe I think we've seen a bit more of a shift in our seasons. So it's the end of September today and it's actually still really quite cold. I actually had to wear a jumper when I left the house quickly this morning. And we've had a bit of rain. I think we've probably had a much wetter winter period than we normally do. And I haven't checked the numbers on that yet. But definitely we've seen a lot more long rainy days. The last couple of years before now it would be, I actually didn't even have an umbrella. You could mostly get around and not get wet. You just didn't go out when the shower happened and then then that was it you'd get some rain for 15 minutes and then it wouldn't rain for the rest of the day so you could actually get around without an umbrella but that's not been the case this year I have used my umbrella quite a bit and we've had just long days of rain which I really only remember from my childhood so you know I guess that's 
not bad when you think about cycles of weather. I am a total weather nerd. P.S. Anyway, so it's been quite wet, so it's been hard to get out into the garden. And also my garden has kind of taken off, A, because it was rainy and B, because I wasn't out there. So I've got, you know, knee-high weeds in some areas. And when I mulched, uh, just before it started to rain, whatever was in that mulch has obviously had some clover in it or something. So my whole backyard, you can almost not see anything from weeds and other overgrownness. So on the one hand, I'm kind of excited to get out there and get a good weed and see what's happened. I can see some of my shrubs have really taken off. And my princess gum tree, which I don't think I've told you about this, but um, she didn't go very well last year. I bought her when she was a decent sized small tree for a sapling. And then um, she grew like doubled in height or so. And it's pretty windy where I live. Like it's really windy where I live. We live about a kilometre from the ocean and our fence blew down last week. So it's pretty windy where I live. And my backyard was essentially an empty sand pit and quite a large area. So one of the things I've tried to do is really put in windbreaks and start to grow up lots of trees, which take forever to grow. Did you not know this? and at least group together shrubs to kind of slow down the wind. Anyway, my princess gum tree was sort of out there by itself and blew over one one time. And so my father-in-law's come in and helped me stake it all up and everything, but it just did not cope well from being blown around. And it just seemed to die, like not die, die, but would grow new sprouts of what looked like leaves and growth at the tops of it and then it just wouldn't go anywhere and it would kind of die so I'd sort of felt quite sad about this tree for quite a while and and assumed that it was it was probably going to die and then last week I've noticed that way down on the trunk like halfway down I've got a brand new sprout that could be a new branch coming in I don't know I'm a bit excited about that but here's the thing I am a Navy wife as one of the many roles I play in my life and uh, Navy families move around and we've been really lucky until now. We've managed to stay on this coast of the country and my husband's had um, long service leave that he was able to take for parental leave when we had our second baby and so on. So we've actually been really quite lucky to stay put for quite a while but we've been given a posting to the east coast and we're going to be moving. So we're going to be moving in about three months' time. And that's, you know, like I don't love this house that, that we have, so I'm kind of okay with that. I'm looking forward to the pluses and being in a different house and that kind of thing. And I don't mind moving and I have a lot of friends where we're moving to, so that none of that's the drama. But I am quite sad to be leaving my garden, which I've spent quite a lot of time in and and sort of, invested a lot of vision into how it will be and I've only just started to see that coming in and I'm sort of sad to be leaving it when um, maybe the next year or two the trees will really start to provide shade and stuff so I'm kind of sad about that and that's really prevented me from getting out there and doing the weaning and the cleaning up that needs to happen once the rain stops and my sitting area that I created is trashed from my you know, my kids being out there and doing whatnot because I let them paint out there and stuff. So 
that's kind of been a sad thing to be reporting in on, but I've done that now. I will say that I have had two inside garden projects that have been kind of exciting. I had finally had been able to bring out my hyacinth bulb that was planted in a vase, and I'll actually take a photo of that and pop it up on my various social media platforms so you can have a look. The whole thing did grow, but it looks like the flower isn't actually going to bloom. And it was supposed to be pink and it clearly looks like it's a white bulb. So that's been an interesting process. Sadly, because that bulb grew this season inside, apparently you have to throw the bulb out when it's finished because it hasn't had any sunlight to replenish the nutrients. So that's it. That was my go with that. The other thing was I have to confess that I quite like the things that Facebook ads try to sell me. Often they're things that I do actually want which I feel a bit bad about because we're supposed to hate that kind of thing. But ages ago, I saw this ad for a really cool way to grow your avocado seed into a tree. And I had been trying to grow an avocado seed and I failed, mostly because it was in the vicinity of a toddler. But I hadn't managed to properly balance it. You know, the old school, get two toothpicks or three toothpicks, stick them in the pit and hang it over a glass of water kind of thing. It wasn't great. The, I think the avocado did start growing roots, but it just it, it didn't go very far very well. Anyway, this is a pretty cool thing. It's from Avoseed, A-V-O-S-E-E-D. And you can get what looks a little bit like that gadget if you want to separate an egg and have the yolk in the middle and the white all falls out the bottom. I don't know if that's an 80s thing, if you remember that, those plastic separator things. It's kind of like that. And you put the seed in, you sit it in that and you sit that in water. I actually bought the whole thing. So it, it came with a pot and a saucer and you fill up the pot with water, pop this in. And then when the seed grows and I think it, when it actually starts shooting out at the top, not just when the, the roots grow, you pour out the water, add soil, knock out the hole at the bottom so it's can drain and voila, you have a pot plant that's an avocado tree. So that was very cool. I got that and I had an avocado seed and that's actually moving a lot faster than my first attempt with the toothpicks over a glass. I actually have roots that have got all the way down to touch the bottom of the pot. So that's very exciting. Avocado trees actually take like five to seven years before you get fruit. So I feel like this is an investment in the oncoming apocalypse. Like if I want avocados, I better get on that now. So that's kind of what I'm doing. It's like, can I grow an avocado tree? And also, like you have an avocado and then you have this whole pip, that could be a tree and you're just going to throw it in the bin. That, for me, seems particularly wasteful. There's lots of other things that I just pass on by, but that one seems particularly wasteful for me. So I am attempting to grow that. Now, unfortunately for me, this is the other thing with my gardening, is I can take whatever I want with me to the East Coast but the West Coast quarantine is really, really strict, which means I couldn't bring it back when I come back and I will be coming back at the end of this posting. So I sort of haven't really spent much time on my veggie garden. Got a lemon and a lime tree which are there and I think I still have a blueberry plant. I think I'm going to be handing all of those on to my father-in-law to look after me while I'm away and possibly also an avocado tree. And then I just figure, like we're moving in January so that'll be hot then. But once I'm settled in, I'll probably start a new veggie garden on the other side. Once I sort of, you know, 
feel a bit better. The kind of houses that we've been looking at right now look really sad in the garden area. So I'll probably want to put a lot of pots in and kind of cheer them up if that's what we end up going with. Anyway, that's my gardening update. It's kind of sad. It's a little bit hopeful. In terms of crafting, and I feel like I need to be accountable for the 365 day challenge quilt, mostly because I've stopped working on it. I haven't worked on it, I'd say, the last three weeks, which, by the way, puts me 21 blocks behind. I had got to a point where I was making up some ground, and then I pieced out the centerpiece and pieced that, and then I had finished the first green, dark green border, because mine is pink and green. And so I wanted to piece out that so that everything doesn't get really confusing and you can kind of see that you have progress rather than get to the end of the project and have 365 blocks and no idea what you're doing with them. So I've pieced, I think I've pieced about three quarters of that border and then I went away and, and I sort of haven't been sewing for a while but I want to get back to that. I will post some pictures as well to show my progress on that. I'm quite happy so far with the colours that I've chosen and I kind of want to get all of this pieced up so that when I start choosing the colours for the light border which has way more pink in it I want to make sure that I'm balancing my colours correctly, which is the other reason why I want to piece as I'm going. That's 365 challenge quilts. I have many other quilting projects that I'm not even looking at. So I'm supposed to be doing the Ginny Buyer mystery quilt along. And I stopped on that one because there was a applique month. <laughs> I didn't want to do the applique month, which is ridiculous because the month after that you start to piece together a couple of the months that you've already done. So, you know, I'm just kind of hoping at some point I will have time to come back around to do that. I've also pulled out my solstice quilt, which I think I was talking about when I first began this podcast. It was put away for a while because I nicked some of the fabric on the final border piece that I needed to piece. Like I've literally got one side of the final border to piece and then the top of this quilt will be done. But I nipped the uh, fabric I cut just a tiny nick right in the middle of that border piece because sometimes I am too hasty. Let me see, I was working on that quilt while I was pregnant with my first baby and she is almost four. So that's how long I've been working on this quilt and that's how long I've been procrastinating on how to fix this quilt. Anyway, a couple of, maybe a month and a half ago now, I finally sucked it up and I fixed what I had broken. All that I needed to do is because this is a repeating, Ginny Buyer does gorgeous borders which have like repeating patterns so that you can cut them in interesting tessellations and get new repeating patterns. And so all I needed to do was pick up and lay over and line up and then sew along a line to just take out the bit that I'd nicked and replace it with the repeating pattern again. But that needed some precision, so that apparently needed two years to gather up the uh, momentum to find that in myself to find the precision. Anyway, one, one particular day I must have been procrastinating on something much harder than that, and I got that done. So basically I just need to iron the rest of the top quilt and pin this final border, and then I can finish this project. The question then is, what do I do with it? Do I attempt to hand quilt this quilt or do I pay somebody to quilt it for me? I've kind of always thought I would pay somebody to quilt it for me because it's a special quilt. I spent 
a lot of time on it. I'm very proud of it because I followed all the instructions and all my points line up. And it looks, you know, I bought the kit material, so it all looks fab. And um, if I hand quilt it, it's probably going to take me another 10 years. So should I just suck it up and pay somebody to, hand, to machine quilt it for me? Probably I should do the latter. Most likely I'm going to think about this for another two years before I decide. Anyway, that's actually right next to me right now as I am speaking because it's ready to get ironed. So I'm hoping to do that this afternoon. Knitting has become very interesting. So I signed up for another mystery knit-along shawl project. I really say right now that I enjoyed the first one that I did. I actually hated most of it because I kept unpicking it and redoing it. But I really loved the final product, the shawl sits beautifully and I haven't shown it to you because I haven't sewed in the ends because that's how I am. I am both a perfectionist and a non-completist. I will actually pop a photo of that up so you can have a look at it. I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more because you didn't know what was coming and that added an element of interest when things get quite boring and you because you get a new pattern every week you get the next bit of the pattern it gives you a discrete thing to work on and you can put it down and do something else so I signed up for another one it's the what the fade mystery knit along by Andrew Maori of driarenenits.com and that I, I actually think that's probably finished by now it's a brioche pattern I have never seen how brioche is done I have never wanted to know how brioche is done. I probably never would have learnt how to do brioche if I had not signed up for this mystery knit along. My friend Deb and my friend Catherine were doing this one and I thought, you know, it's it's fun to do a project along with other people, even if you don't necessarily love the project that you're doing. The fact that you get to do it with other people makes it fun. So I signed up for it too. And the appeal was I could actually find six skeins that worked as the fade. So you needed two sets of three that faded and that faded into each other. So that was fun. And when I could find six in my stash, I was signed up. So it wasn't going to cost me anything extra. I was going to actually use six skeins from my stash. And what was I ever going to use those skeins for anyway? They were all like one-of-a-kind sock skeins that I bought. That was a plus. And I didn't know how to do brioche, and that nearly killed me trying to learn how to do brioche. But I ended up reading the instructions properly and doing the YouTube video, and I learned how to do brioche. And it's really interesting. You get two different fabrics because the dominant colour on one side is not the dominant colour on the other. So one side of mine is very purpley and the other side is this grey black because I'm fading from purple into black. And it's quite interesting. You knit with two strands. You knit the first strand across your knitting and then you come back and knit the second strand before you turn around and work the other side. And once I figured that out, that was pretty good. And the way that the edges work, you end up doing an I-cord on each side. And I quite like that too. It looks very neat. And it's a very nice way to hide your colour changes as well. You just carry them up the side, but they disappear inside the I-cord. That is a very neat little thing. I like that very much. Other than that, I have not completed Clue 2. I have knit this shawl already this much about six times. The number of times I have had to unpick whole rows or whole series of rows and brioche is very difficult to unpick until you really figure out how the knitting works. 
because on each row you have basically a stitch with a yarn over on it and a stitch that you're going to slide. So every row you have a yarn over and a stitch group together and a stitch on its own. And when you unpick that and you have no idea what you're doing, it is very hard to unpick that kind of a fabric. And I have unpicked this shawl many, 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 many times, so many times. I restarted it, I think only three times, but that was so hard that I didn't <laughs> want to keep ripping it out and starting it over again. So I had to learn how to unpick brioche. And it's a lot like knitting lace insofar as you can't really tune out. I do like a good bit of knitting that you don't have to pay attention to and you can read whilst you're knitting. Yes, I read while I'm knitting. I read emails, I read um, things I'm editing, I read things that are boring and then I can knit at the same time so I don't feel so frustrated <laughs> when I'm reading something that I'm bored. And I also like to knit a row or two and go and answer an email and come back. You can't really do that with brioche because if I've found it hard to learn how to read the knitting, which meant that it was hard to put it down and come back and be able to pick it up and know where I'm going. So a lot of the time I had to unpick because I'd purled when I should have knit and so then it had ruined the brioche. I'm nearly at the end of clue two and I have managed to fading in that third colour. So then I've got that whole third colour worth of knitting to do. I have not peeked ahead. I'm not the kind of person who reads the back of the book to see how it ends. My mother does that. She always reads the end first to check she's going to like where it's going to go. I do not do this. And so I do not know if this whole shawl is brioche and this is just going to be like thousands of hours of brioche or whether at the end of this clue that's the end of the brioche. I do not know. And I do not know how I feel about whether I want it all to be brioche or whether I want it to be something else. I'm quite a traditional knitter and I'm, I find a lot of these new modern patterns quite confronting in the fact that they mix a lot of textures and they mix a lot of stitches together to, prov to produce patterns that are interesting but I'm not sure if I like them. But that's good. I learnt something completely new. I learnt brioche which means that I have become a more proficient knitter and I... And being challenged with a texture that I'm not sure if I like or not. And I think that's also quite good. Um, it's a lovely fabric. It will be lovely and warm. So that's, that's good. The other thing I have been doing is I have been doing commitment knitting. So I'm committed to knit a few more tea cozies. And I've nearly finished what I guess is my, well, it's technically my third Luani Pryor tea cozy. I knit one whole one when I took her workshop, although I haven't knit the underskirt for that yet. So it's technically not finished, but I've knit the outside of it. And I knitted that one that I did a while ago with all the flowers on top. But I'm pretty sure this now is my third. I don't know if I should tell you what it is because I'm pretty sure the person who this is going to might listen to this podcast. But I've almost finished it. I have been knitting some fruit for it. I've knit one apple, a pear and two strawberries and I have a bunch of grapes left to knit and I think I'm going to try and knit a mandarine and then I think I am finished. I have knit the underskirt to the tea cosy and that's sitting on my teapot right now and I've knit, well, I've knit the top and that's all sitting there as well. So I've just got this last bit of fruit to go and then the fruit will get sewn down and it will be finished. 
So technically by the next time I record, I will have finished that particular project. This doesn't end my, my tea cosy commitments. I still have, I think, four left to go. And my problem was I overcommitted the first one in terms of the intricacy of it. And so now I feel like I need to match that for all of them. So I think I have two more that I need to match at that level and then two more that I'm going to do a little bit simpler. And that will be all the tea cosy commitments done. And then it's like, well, do I want one? Because I didn't get one out of all of those. And they are really cute. So I'll have to decide if I'm very sick of knitting tea cosies at that point. I am also knitting a whole bunch of robots, knitted robots. I've discovered that I can quite easily knit two in tandem because they're not very wide. So you can knit two on the ones that are needles pretty easily. So that's good. So I've actually knit two up. I just have to sew them together. And then I have, I think, I think I have another 10 to knit. So I have those to do. And so what did I do? I found myself some more commitment crafting. Uh, we're about to do a whole new project. And so I've been seeing how hard it would be or what it would look like to do some book and reading themed bits and pieces. A designed designed insofar as it's just a rectangle sewn together, a book bag, a kid's book bag, and I also designed a cape, a superhero cape, which I found some really cute library books fabric and did that. And that was actually really easy. I don't know how durable it will be because I did it by hand. I did it lined as well and that was good because I was sewing it by hand so then it meant that I didn't have to hem it. That's really cute. Now I'm just trying to decide whether or not I really want to do some iPad covers. I've designed a pattern for it and it looks really nice and I've got the fabric for it but I'm just wondering if I, if I actually need that. And I'm waiting for some more fabric samples to come from Spoonflower and I want to do some rugs or you know cup coasters out of that fabric and that's for a new project that I am about to embark on but first I must finish my tea cozies that is where I that is where my loyalties lie so much going on a lot going on where I am I have many guilty feelings because I'm not knitting for my toddler so I cast on a pair of socks for her, which I have in my handbag as my taking around with me knitting. And I think I knit them while I was in Melbourne. I worked on them. But other than that, I owe pairs of socks and other things, which I'm hoping at some point I will conquer the brioche shawl and then I can get back to a few other things. And that is my roundup for this week. You've been listening to the Champagne and Socks podcast, a podcast of all things craft. You can now subscribe via iTunes, leave a review if you like, join the craft circle and tell us what you're working on this week. Email me at champagneandsocks at gmail.com or find me on Twitter as Champagne Socks. I'm over on Ravelry as Girly Jones. Also find the Ravelry group, Champagne and Socks. Speak to you later. Champagne and Socks is now supported by Patreon. Visit us at patreon.com slash champagneandsocks. Thank you to patrons Axe of Kitchen and Kate.